2: All right, Welcome back to the Dr. Light Show. My name is Josh. I hope everybody is doing well out there. And we're going to jump right into it, go to the financial state of our country, of our world. Economic collapse is inbound, and we have with us Dr. Kirk Elliott. Kirk, how are we doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you, Josh? Oh, man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing making a series of predictions over the last uh, four years and watching them come true. The fact that they're coming true, though, scares the living heck out of me. But, you know, I think we're prepared for it.
0: <laughs> right.
2: I mean, that's, that's
0: how I feel, too. It's like I'm, I'm glad that we're actually able to spread a strategy for success, right, and and talk about that and try to put a smile on people's face. But everything that we're talking about in reporting the news, sometimes people have a tendency to, like, kill the messenger kind of a deal. It's like, hey. It's not my news. <laughs> I'm not the policymaker making it. We're just talking about it, right? And, and some of these things that we're seeing are downright lies, misinformation, or, or just the, the fruit of bad public policy, right? So, for example, this morning, I'm, I'm looking at the inflation numbers, and they came in at 4.9% which is down from, you know, 6.6 to 6.1 to 4.9. Well, it's like no it's it's really not. Because if you go to the grocery store, if anybody listening watching the show goes to the grocery store, it's like, "Okay, it, inflation isn't coming down." Right? So so how are they manipulating those numbers? Well, it's substitution bias. This is one of the ways that the Bureau of Labor Statistics actually changes things for and if you were to look at the basket of goods which is the consumer price index it's like 30 things that they measure from point a to point b to point c and if that were constant and consistent then then that cpi number would be a a good gauge of what inflation is doing but when they change it for example you if if the price of steak let's say steak was one of the things measured in the cpi let's say it went up 40% saying oh man we can't we can't have this, so let's replace hamburger with steak, and hamburger is 30% less than steak. Well, what did they say that the price of steak did? They would say the price of steak came down 30%. It's like, no, it didn't. went up 40%. They just exchanged it for hamburger, which is cheaper, right? So this is the, the mechanisms that they use in these price adjustments and substitution bias in the consumer price index, which make it an absolutely bogus number. But the markets respond to that, though, right? So, But our wallets respond better to the real news, and this is where people aren't spending money. People don't have enough money to spend because their wages are coming down, because prices truly are going up. I don't care what the, what the official measures say. That's that's fabricated number. It's not real. So how do I know? How do I know that the economy isn't as robust is what some of these inflationary numbers say that it is. Well, let's look at some of the big companies. So, Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, had his annual shareholders report, and the Oracle of Omaha, is, you know, always has. He has like forty thousand people that show up to the shareholder meeting because they want to hear what he says. So they own, you know, Berkshire Hathaway has a lot of companies like Staples, things like that we would use, like. Fruit of the Loom is, is one of theirs, right? And so they have all these things that people actually buy, a lot of merchandise, insurance companies and things like that. We've said in a, in a post-pandemic world, when you went into stimulus money overdrive, companies mm-hmm. built up inventory with free money. Well, the problem is that, that, that free money, that wasn't real, right? So they built up these inventories, and now nobody's buying anything because people don't have money. So what do these retailers now have to do? They have to sell everything and have major going out of business sales or seasonal sales and they're selling everything for 50, 60, 75% off and that eats their margins and it goes away and so he's expecting a very very hard landing, not a soft landing for this economy moving forward. So this is this is Warren Buffett. Well, look at some of the tech giants announcing massive layoffs amid these economic woes. If if the economy were truly growing and inflation were coming down, they wouldn't be laying people off. They would be hiring to stay ahead of the curve. Well, last year, according to uh, data compiled by, by layoffs.fyi, it's, it's a online you know, employment tracker, tech layoffs to date, the year to date, realize it's May, right? is 191,416 people have been laid off so far this year. Last year, it was 164,000. Wow. So we've already surpassed last year. But who's who's dumping their jobs? I mean, there's, there's a lot. So Shopify, you know, big huge e-commerce platform, um, they're cutting 20% of its workforce, and they're selling its logistics business. Dropbox you know, the, the, the online storage company for, for people's files and stuff like that, they're reducing uh, their employment by 16%. 3M, which isn't a tech company, right? They do Post-it notes and scotch tape and things like that. They're laying off 6,000 employees. Um, who else? Uh, Lyft, you know, the, the, the Uber competitor, right? So they're, they're laying off 13% of its of its workforce, Red Hat laying off 4%. Gap, um, in their SEC filing, is laying off 1,800 employees. Bed Bath & Beyond filed for Chapter 11. Facebook and Meta, I'm not crying about this one. I feel sorry for the people that got laid off, but it's like, oh my word, your parent company are horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're bad. So, so they're laying off another 10,000 people, 13% of its staff. It's like the, the, the numbers just keep going and going and going. Right? So as you look at this, in Amazon, they're, they're laying off another 19,000 people. It's like SiriusXM is laying off 475 employees. Dell is laying off. It's like, good grief, where's the economic growth that we're hearing about through the Biden administration when all these companies are laying off? I mean, literally almost 200,000 people so far this year have been laid off. That's a lot, Josh. So, so it's no wonder there's bank failures small banks, to regional banks. There's consolidation in the industry because people are pulling money out of the banking system because they're losing their jobs and they just need to live. But sadly, banks don't have any capital on hand to fund the withdrawals when there's no deposits going in. So we're going to see even more bank failures coming. I mean, this is a dismal picture and a bleak outlook for our economy right now.
2: And it doesn't help that the government is lying. I mean, we just had, the other day, the jobs numbers come out, right? and I think it was Mm -hmm. 436,000 that they came out and said that were created in the first quarter, and they revised that number by 75%. I mean, this is ridiculous. They revised that number by 75% after the market reaction. They did it on the weekend, on a Saturday, so the market wouldn't react. Then we have things like the rising cost of, of housing. We have a record number of homeless throughout the country. Uh, Dutch Brothers just announced a, a reduction in their quarter, quarter one estimates of profits. I mean, when we start seeing retail corporations losing money, how can we be in economic growth? That's the real question. Well,
0: we 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 truly can't be. I mean, so, so here's the thing, the, the, the GDP numbers, which gross domestic product is actually the, the amount of goods and services that we purchase at retail prices that are produced in this country, right? So, so if inflation, even their bogus inflation numbers is 4.9%, but we know it's really much higher than that, but let's just use their numbers for the sake of argument, 4.9%. What is GDP growing at? 1.6% is the estimate, it keeps coming down. So, if that, what does that tell us? That if it's the if it's the reflection of us buying stuff at retail prices, and the stuff that we buy is inflated, you know, the inflationary numbers—it's up four point nine percent. Then, for the economy to be static, GDP should be growing at four point nine percent, but it's not. It's growing at one point six, which means one point six to four point nine is really like a sixty percent reduction. The economy is really crumbling. Literally, it's it's like coming down by like sixty percent. I mean, that's what those numbers look at. When you know how, how to measure the numbers against each other, this is a massive economic slowdown. Massive, and I don't think policymakers know what to do, which is why now they're belly aching about raising the debt ceiling because there's not enough there's not enough uh, income coming in through income tax revenues through any kind of government revenue streams to actually fund. Even even the entitlement system of our country. I mean, they don't know what to do. So they're going to say, "We got well, we can't raise the debt ceiling. We got too much debt. This is preposterous," according to McCarthy. Well, what else are they going to do? And they're going to bluster and say this is a bad thing. But yet they're going to raise the debt ceiling because they always do. Because no politician wants the economy to fall on their watch, and that's exactly what would happen. And so. So we're in for some some bleaker days here in, in the next few weeks and months moving forward.
2: Uh, I agree with you, and it, it's interesting because this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. We'll be right back with more Dark Delight Show right after this.
1: Dark Light on the WYSL stations.
2: All right, back to the Dark Delight Show here with Dr. Kirk Elliott. Now, Kirk, we, we have the, the threat of U.S. government default and shutdown here um you know janet yellen is screaming that this is the end of the world well at the same time congress is sending 1.2 billion dollars more to ukraine makes no sense they're going to raise the debt ceiling but we also have de-dollarization happening what, what are your thoughts on all this well this
0: i mean what she's saying is is all political and and true right it's it's not the end of the world right congress people always raise the debt ceiling but this is why we have the massive amount of debt that we have. At some point, you hit critical mass, but we're hitting critical mass on our sustainability at the same time where what you said de-dollarization, that just means countries leaving the petrodollar, countries around the world not wanting to, to use the U.S. dollar for transactions at all, right? So, so this means less, less demand for our dollar means we're going to have to print more of it to fund all the stuff. If there's no capital inflow coming in, this is devastating. Well, well. So you see that happening, but I think there's even something a little bit bigger, even even than the de-dollarization, and that this impacts the global economy. And this is artificial intelligence and and the replacing of of jobs from humans with computers, right? So so about five months ago, and you and I talked about this a couple of times. Um, the estimates are that within the next 5 years 20% of the total global workforce is going to be replaced by computers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so think about this. Um you've got you've got the head of of Google, the CEO of Google, you've got Elon Musk, you've got one of the founders and creators of open artificial intelligence and you've got Steve Wozniak of Apple all now saying uh we're, we don't like what we created. I mean, it's kind of cool, I guess. You know, it's going to add efficiencies, but, but society has to brace for the impact of this. So that was an exact word from the CEO of Google, is society needs to brace for the impact. It's like, wait a second. I thought this was a good thing, right? I thought this was going to provide product productivity and efficiencies and and reduce costs. And, and, and Elon Musk saying, you know, pause. Pause on the development of open AI. This is kind of scary. What computers are getting way too smart they're they're not concerned about computers determining our digital social profile and whether we can buy or sell they're concerned about what happens when all these jobs are gone because imagine if if those numbers are accurate one-fifth of the world's population loses their jobs to a computer that's that's less government revenues because you don't have to pay a computer a computer doesn't make money But but the companies are going to be cheering, saying, "Look, we don't have to pay this computer. We don't have to provide benefits for this computer. We don't have to be worried about being sued by this computer, right?" Mm -hmm. So they're probably cheering. But the rest of the world is now thinking governments are going to be, "What? We don't have income tax revenues coming in anymore because computers don't have to pay their taxes. There is no income, right? We don't, and and so computers don't go to Best Buy and spend money. So sales tax revenues are going to come down." Computers don't have to buy a house for their family, so so there's there's no demand for real estate, right? And it's like this is the negative net negative impact. But imagine what happens with governments when one fifth of the world's population says, "Hey, we just lost our computer, our job to a computer. Uh, we need unemployment benefits. We need welfare. We need we need medical insurance. We need something because we're not getting our jobs back." I mean, the the drain. On government coffers is going to be massive. While at the same time, governments don't have the tax revenue to actually fund the increased expenditures they're they're going to need through entitlements and handouts. Right. So this is the economic impact. But it got worse. I was reading an article on CNBC last week. The new projections are actually much more dire than one out of every five people globally losing their jobs. It's two thirds of all Americans and Europeans. Over the next five years, could lose their jobs to a computer. That's 67 percent in these industrialized nations, right? So, so we're talking not just talking about the global impact, we're talking about Europe and America losing upwards of 67 percent of their jobs to be replaced by a computer. This is why these economic leaders of like Google and everybody else are saying, wait wait, wait a second we got to put a pause on this. What we created for good is going to be very, very bad if we don't figure this thing out.
2: Well, yeah, and this, this is a global issue, and you make an incredibly valid point that many people are not looking at. And I know that at the higher level, they're seeing this, and this is why they push for universal basic income or global basic income. But like you just said, if there's no excess tax revenue coming in, then that can't be paid out. But this is one of the reasons why they most likely are moving to centralized uh, CBDCs, Central Bank Digital Currencies, because they can print this, basically just put it into a computer anytime they want and continue to do that with absolutely no basis of value. Yeah.
0: No, it's super easy to create inflation with a computer. You don't have to make the paper, you don't have to put it in the printing press, you don't have to put ink on it, you don't have to cut it, you don't have to put it in stacks of of a hundred bills and wrap it with a little binder and send it to the banks. I mean, it takes a lot to create a trillion dollars if you're printing money. It doesn't take a lot of work to create a trillion dollars of inflation on a computer. All you do is, is hit a bunch of zeros and hit enter. It's like boom, three seconds. You just created a trillion dollars of inflation. See, it, this is their problem though in a credit debit system. But not everybody's going to get it equal. You're only going to get it if you toe the line right and you adapt their system. And your social credit score, your digital social profile matches up to what they want. Then they'll play nice in the sandbox with you. Other than that, they completely have the ability to cut you off from buying or selling. This is the brave new world, the Orwellian future, that's not really a future anymore. It's like the present. And that's, that's a creepy thing.
2: So, Kirk, I'm looking at this article on Yahoo Finance and it's ask an advisor. Our investment portfolio fell from four hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Should I cash in my investments? And this uh, the CFP certified financial planner came out and said, "No, you know it's not a, not a good idea to cash out. But instead, you should diversify your portfolio and things that are more uh, kind of stabilized during incredible volatility." Uh, this is probably some of the worst advice that I've ever seen in the financial industry being published on fi- Yahoo Finance. That someone has lost two hundred thousand dollars, what's sixty percent of the value of their portfolio? Sorry, forty-five percent of the value of their portfolio, and they're wondering what to do. And they go ask a financial professional, and this person's like, "Well, you know, take the money you have left and diversify it within, you know, things that are going to be stabilized during volatility." This is the wrong idea because the markets are bankrupt. There's no liquidity within the markets. The Federal Reserve has basically bankrupt this country as well as the global economy is bankrupt. This is why they're switching away from the U.S. dollar. We're only going to see all stocks begin to move downward.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that, but that that advice that you just heard is kind of prevalent in the industry. I just literally an hour ago, I was on the phone with, with a, a potential client, Wealthy Rancher, right? And so so his advisor, and he's concerned, he's heard me and he's heard other shows and talking about the reserve currency status going away. Their advisors, you know, he's got like three or four of them because he's a very wealthy individual. has said, oh, that's impossible. We're never going to lose our reserve currency status. Ooh, that normalcy bias will ultimately kill you. So what do they have him in? He's got like an $8 million portfolio in bonds. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Okay, that's a kiss of death. He's got $2.4 million in small and regional bank stocks. It's come down over 50% in the last three weeks. And then a couple million dollars in, in international funds, right? It's like, oh my word, this this portfolio mix is just like the worst I've seen, like literally the worst I've seen. But the advice that they came out of was, we're not going to lose our reserve currency status. We will prevail. It's like, A, historically, that's 100% false. Reserve currencies never last. In fact, the range is from 45 to 110 years. Well, we're 88 years into it right we're, we're pushing the edge of the envelope and and we're seeing it right now we we don't have to speculate josh we're seeing it right now as country after country after country is signing bilateral trade agreements with china and russia and india and all these countries to stop using the petrodollar we are losing not we are going to lose we are losing our reserve currency status at every single second of every single day as these countries move out of this Western financial system into a different one, and that's going to force us into a hyperinflationary role. And we will lose our reserve currency status. But the the advice that most people are getting from their advisors is that normalcy bias. See, advisors have only seen a, a world where they've known the reserve currency status of the U.S. dollar, because that came into effect in 1944 with the Bretton Woods Act. They've known nothing different, but... Talk to talk to other countries that don't have a reserve currency status when they they inflate their currency and they go through an inflation. Talk to policymakers in Venezuela or Argentina or Cyprus or Greece or Zimbabwe and find out what happens when you don't have that anymore because there's no demand. And what happens to society? It falls apart really quickly. That's the danger ground that we're on right now.
2: Well, and and yeah, you had Zimbabwe was just warned by the IMF not to create a digital currency backed upon gold. You had the largest gold-buying streak from China, India, Pakistan, and other BRICS nations happening over the last two years, continuing to buy up every month. Um, People are buying gold and silver, Kirk. Well, not just people. Central
0: banks are buying gold, (laughs) right? So by... Not by the ounce or by the pound or by the ton, but by the thousands of tons. Really, because we're changing the system, we're changing the old order from, from fiat-based central bank money creation going into a digital world. And as that happens, there's other alternative systems that are starting to come up that are saying, okay, we don't know about this, but we do know about gold. We need to add some stability to our system to attract more foreign capital and more demand for our currency." See, this is how you protect and preserve in an inflationary world is investing the tangible assets. That's the best way to navigate through
2: this. Uh, Kirk. Much love and respect, my friend. You take care. We'll talk to you next week. Guys, we'll be right back with more Dark Delight Show right after this.
1: Dark Delight on the WYSL stations.
2: All right, back to the Dark Delight Show. And I mean, there's a lot of news to talk about. There's a lot of things to talk about today. And I'm going to start off with the 51 former intelligence agents, or heads, that came out and produced this letter in the 2020 election saying that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Now, let's think about this for a minute. We have people on this list, James Clapper, Michael Hayden, Leon Panetta, John Breton, right? Michael Morrell. These are the former heads of the NSA, former heads of the CIA. These are people who hold the top secrets and clearances in our country. And in 2020 in November, they signed a letter stating that the Hunter Biden laptop, which was in FBI custody, was Russian disinformation. Now, some interesting facts around this, is that the original letter was penned and crafted by the Biden campaign, the DNC and the Biden campaign. They went out to Morell and all these guys and said, hey, please sign this letter. It will help us win. They did it for political reasons. This even comes during the time when the director of national intelligence, Dan Ratcliffe, was saying that. This laptop is absolutely not Russian disinformation. So, if you remember Joe Biden was sitting there during the debate with Donald Trump saying that's Russian disinformation, 51 intelligence specialists have already came out and said it's Russian disinformation. He uses this as a talking point when his campaign is the one who pushed the letter knowing that it was false. Guys, th- that's election interference. That is massive election interference derived from the opposition campaign. Like, just with that little thing right there, why isn't there a process in place to remove this man from the White House? To remove his administration. That right there shows massive collusion, conspiracy and treason to undermine the United States elections for president of the United States, which actually happened. And we have the receipts and the proof and the evidence of it. But yet he's still in the White House. He doesn't know he's there, but he's still there. In, in Congress is, well, we're investigating it. And, uh, you know, any criminal referrals that they send to the DOJ, well, then there's going to be problems. And, you know, maybe this is part of the problem of the president being able to appoint the heads, the top brass within the DOJ. How can the DOJ keep the president and the executive branch honest when they're appointed by him and work for him? It seems that our system of checks and balances has been degraded over the years. That it doesn't work the way it's supposed to work because in any normal constitutional republic where these types of things happen, which are egregious violations of the Constitution and U.S. law, that you would see that person being ripped out by law enforcement, put under arrest, and tried for treason. But you're not. Not only that, not, th- this is just the tip of the iceberg, people. Okay? This is just the tip of the iceberg today. We had various different Republicans come out and present their evidence of what they found has happened. This is uh, Congressman Comer, Jordan, and what did they discover? They discovered that Hunter Biden, the Biden family, have had some pretty lucrative business dealings with Russian, Ukrainian, and Chinese businessmen who are directly connected and affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party, CEFC Energy is a Chinese Communist Party funded corporation which gave the Biden family tens of millions of dollars through various different shell organizations and pointed out by Representative Comer. The Biden family has no legitimate business. They, they, they're not selling a product or a service. They're not selling gadgets and gadgets. They're not consulting on any specific service. What they are selling is access to the politician who had been in office for 50 years. And they even have the receipts of this money coming in and then meetings being guaranteed with then Vice President Joe Biden. That that is treason. I mean, for, for goodness sake, people. When we look at the situation, we're sitting here going, oh yeah, keep investigating, yeah, just keep on going and, and let's see how far we can take this more evidence that we get. We have enough evidence to try this man in a court of law and put him away for the rest of his life. Why isn't this not happening? It's not happening because there's a double standard in the U.S. judicial system. That there's a justice system and a just us system that politicians who spend five decades within political office are not held at the same accountability levels as regular American citizens. The the IRS, the Department of Treasury, will come after you for a $600 transaction into your bank account. They wanna monitor everything that you do, but yet you have Joe Biden out here creating 27 different LLC shell business companies, taking in millions upon millions of dollars from foreign adversaries and people directly connected and working for the Chinese Communist Party. During the whole time when we knew there were people within our government selling U.S. military and state secrets to China. I mean, you know, a a person who's kind of has some logic and some rationalism would look at the situation and go, well, you know, if someone was selling U.S. state secrets to China where they were able to advance their military to such a high level in degree within just a decade. Maybe we should follow the money because someone has to be getting paid for that. And during this time, we find out what secretary, then secretary of state, Hillary Clinton was making money from Russia and China through the Clinton foundation that Joe Biden. We're we're just looking back to 2014 because that's all we have in the records for Joe Biden, uh, for Hunter Biden's laptop. But you know this goes back a lot further. That Joe Biden was taking in millions upon millions of dollars from the Chinese. This is treason at the highest degree. This is the biggest political scandal of our lifetime in the history of the United States. And the man who orchestrated it, the man who was at the center of it is in the highest position of power in our country. Now, if that doesn't scare you, I don't know what does, because that scares the absolute hell out of me. The fact that Joe Biden is still continually in power right now, the people behind him are operating in a shadow government, shadow presidency, making policy decisions, border decisions and decisions on the US economy that are greatly affecting the American people and the United States sovereignty around the world and these people are more corrupt than we could ever imagine and it's no longer a conspiracy about the New World Order. It's no longer a conspiracy theory that, oh, you know, there's no evidence to substantiating. There is evidence. There's a massive amount of substantiating evidence that shows that these people are corrupt beyond anything you could ever imagine and we're still allowing them to be in power. Now there is impeachment processes that can go through the two different houses. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? Congress needs to have a better ability. To basically make criminal referrals to the DOJ or to appoint a special prosecutor or a special counsel to go out there and begin prosecuting these criminals. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, their whole family that was involved within this, all the business associates, including John Kerry's stepson, which was associated with this. This is criminal beyond anything we could ever imagine. And here's the thing. This is the state of our country. And I know Donald Trump says, oh, well, you know, 2024, 2024. Here's the thing. 2020, 2022, 2018, for that matter, we tried. We went out there. We voted in mass and they threw our ballots away. They changed the signatures of the ballots. They had machine malfunctions, everything we knew that they were going to do. They did, and they still got away with it. Why do we think that we're going to get any justice this time? Why do we think that we're going to go out there in 2024 and we're going to vote Donald Trump and he's actually going to legitimately win? General Michael Flynn, he just talked about it. He wrote an article about this specifically. He said, we're not going to win 2024 with the rampant amount of cheating that is occurring within the election polls, within the ballots. There is no way that we're going to win in 2024 because they still control that system. With that being said, you got to go to the words of Ray Dalio, the chairman of Bridgewater Capital, which is a hedge fund, worth $15 to $16 billion. He is on the board at the World Economic Forum. This guy's a Bilderberger, been to the Bilderberger Group multiple times. He sits at the seat of the globalists, and he said, in 2024, you're going to have two parties in the United States that are not not going to accept the results of the election. The Democrats are not going to accept when the Republicans win and the Republicans won't accept when the Democrats win. And I can, I can confirm what he's saying because you know what? I will not accept those election results if the Democrats win. Will not happen. And I know either will you. And Ray Dalio said, this is going to spark a civil war. Now, I don't know if it's going to do that. Because, you know what, I thought that that was going to happen in 2022. I thought it was going to happen in 2020. But he does believe that it's going to spark a civil war. And, this, and Donald Trump just said last week, 2024 is the final battle. People, the storm is here. The storm is here. We are not even close to being into the eye of the storm. We are in the worst part of it right now. We are going through the filth, the dirt, the middle of the swamp, With a storm raging above us. And the final battle is coming in 2024, as Donald Trump said, because we're either going to lose this country forever, or we're going to win back our sovereignty, our freedoms, our rights, and our liberties, and our Constitution. And we're going to start reestablishing justice in this country. We'll be right back with more Dr. Light Show after this.
1: Dark to Light on the WYSL stations.
2: Alright, back to the Dark to Light show. And I know, I went on an epic rant there. But this is truthful, people. Election interference. Now, now think about this. On the other hand, let's talk about the corporate side of election interference. Dominion Voting Systems just won this almost billion-dollar lawsuit against Fox News. But it's almost as if Fox News didn't care to go to Discovery. They didn't care to present any evidence. They just wanted to take the hit but then what did we find out that tucker carlson was told by a member of the fox board that he was taken off the air as part of the dominion settlement this is according to axios news now do you understand what that means dominion didn't like the political rhetoric that tucker carlson was talking about the idea that Tucker Carlson came on and you had eyewitness testimony saying that Dominion did this or did this or there's evidence against Dominion and he brought them on and he aired it on his show which is 100% constitutional under the First Amendment. You gotta remember, in the case Fox versus Dominion they settled in court but with no discovery, no nobody presented evidence. They said, you defamed us and Fox said, oh, we're so sorry so what does that mean? That means that Dominion has now silenced the political opposition. It means they are no longer bipartisan. They are partisan. They got rid of their greatest opponent. That's called election interference. But you know, Tucker Carlson, interestingly enough, comes out and announces yesterday And by the way, if you go back to my show on the Daily Dose last week, I came out and said, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that Tucker Carlson is fired from Fox News a week after he does an interview with Elon Musk. And I bet you that he's going to go and do his show on Twitter, that he's going to do his show. And Elon Musk must have said something to him. Well, guess what? (laughs) Tucker Carlson came out last night and said that they're going to continue a version of his show, Tucker Carlson Tonight on Twitter, starting very, very shortly. Now, this means that Twitter has become this kind of, this domain of free speech, which it absolutely has. I can agree with that. Now, I'm not gonna put all my eggs in one basket, but the fact that Tucker Carlson is coming over, that he's going to do his show on Twitter, means that Twitter has to upgrade and enhance their platform a little bit, but it also derives more more methods to get the message out there for free speech. And, and I'll tell you, Twitter is a perfect place for dialogue pertaining to what's happening in the world. No People are no longer going to the mainstream media. They're no longer turning on Fox News or CNN to get their information. Instead, they go to the Internet and they go to various different websites to find out what is happening in the world. One of those websites is Twitter. They scroll their Twitter feed for 10 minutes and they can find out exactly what's happening in the world well before the mainstream media can, can type up a biased story and get it published. Now, that's pretty amazing, I think, in my opinion. But we're coming into 2024 really fast, guys, and this is going to be a very, very heated election season. Now, we had a few hiccups this last day with uh, the Trump trial with Eugene Carroll. Now, this is interesting because the jury has awarded her $5 million for defamation saying that they believe. Now, by the way, I know the media is reporting that they're saying that Trump did sexually assault her. They say, we believe Trump sexually assaulted her. Therefore, the defamation holds true because he said, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I've never met this woman in my life. And so therefore they awarded awarded her $5 million. The problem is, Is there's five witnesses that testified? Trump knows none of them. This is apparently happened in 1996 at a department store, which there's no evidence that Trump ever was there or ever met her. There's one vague picture of her with Donald Trump in the background to where you can see he's doing a meet and greet. Donald Trump had his deposition where he came out and said that I've never met this woman before in my life. I don't know her. I never knew of her. Never cared to know her. She's not my type. And isn't it interesting that her claim is, is that he grabbed her by the beep beep. And then we find out today that E. Jean Carroll, removed from her deposition, oh, I forgot, I didn't didn't remember this part. Oh, I didn't remember this part, she said. Um, when I filed my deposition, I, I forgot the I forgot this part and I left it out. Is that she was her her whole trial, her whole campaign against Donald Trump was being funded by a billionaire donor to the Democrats. I mean, that's something I'm pretty sure the jury would have liked to have known. Is that Eugene Carroll was being paid by a Democrat billionaire donor. To continue this trial against Donald Trump. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's it's crazy to think that the judge actually allowed this debacle to happen. That the jury, who was abundantly biased against Trump, allowed this to happen. Those people are not good people. But listen to what the, Judge Lewis Kaplan says, who, by the way, is a friend of Hillary Clinton and the DNC donor. He told the jury before sending it to deliberate that the preponderance of the evidence, the review, the analysis of the evidence standard could be understood as more likely true than not true. Who says that to the jury? He basically told the jury is that, you know, when you review this evidence, you can look at it from my perspective, that it's probably, probably true than not true. And by the way, this is a civil matter, which means that it has no criminal implication whatsoever against Donald Trump, because in a criminal court case, the jury's asked to assess guilt. They must meet a much higher standard and beyond a reasonable doubt within the civil matter, they don't have to have a reasonable doubt. It's just about how they feel. This is atrocious people. It, it's atrocious that this is actually happening in our country. That this is actually being allowed to continue forth. That the system is so, so beaten down and corrupted. It is so organized against anybody who speaks up in the name of freedom and justice. Because that's all Donald Trump did. Is Donald Trump said, I want a good future for my family and the American people. So I'm going to stand up and I'm going to get rid of the... Lifelong bureaucrats who have ran this country into the ground, who have bankrupted who have passed egregious laws that violate the Constitution. I'm going to get rid of them and I'm going to change things. And they started this attack on him in 2015. And they continuously bombarded this man for the last six to seven years. Ruined his life, ruined his name. And what have they found? One civil court case where the jury finds him guilty for $5 million based upon their feelings. The only thing that they have found on this man. And guess what? He actually won in 2020. And he's going to actually win in 2024. But the big question is, are they going to allow it to happen? Are they going to allow Donald Trump to take power? That's the big question. And it's my guess, and from my analysis and from looking at history, they're not. That they will scorch this earth, they will burn it all down before they ever give up power again. See, that's the thing, guys. They have the power right now. They cannot give it up. They are too far into this game. They have absolutely wrecked the U.S. economy. They have devalued the U.S. dollar. They have hyperinflated our currency. They're they're getting it removed as a world reserve currency. The New World Order is in full effect. China is in complete control of the world economic platform. So they can't stop now. Donald Trump would ruin all of that in an instant. They cannot stop now. I'm going to talk about more of this and much, much more here after the break. I'm coming back for you with another hour of The Dark to Show. We'll be right back. Alright, welcome back to Hour 2 of the Dark Delight Show. My name is Josh. And man, we were just getting going on that last hour, weren't we? We were, we were talking about some hot topics. We're talking about election interference. We're talking about the persecution of Donald J. Trump, a man who has taken the slings and the arrows. He has been uh, massively targeted since only because this man wants to make a better America. And here's the thing. Americans see it. Americans are waking up up. And I don't mean you and me. I don't mean the political right. Independents, moderates, Democrats. They're waking up people. They are waking up in mass. I'm watching it firsthand through Twitter, on my platform, on my podcast. I I I can tell you that 30% of my audience in 2019 were Democrats. Were liberals who voted for Obama. They voted for Obama twice. They voted for Clinton. But now, they're voting for Donald J. Trump and they they can't make sense of it. They're realizing that all the conspiracy theories that we talk about in the sense of political corruption and the the rise of the New World Order are true. And that term, New World Order, it it should ring a bell within your head because you know, I go back to like 1998, 1999, being a a, a kid growing up in, in Caledonia and walk in the streets or out in nature. And we would, uh, you know, we we would have a little fun with what was around during those days. And uh, we would talk about conspiracy theories. We would talk about UFOs and aliens and ghosts and all those. But I would always talk about the new world order, that there's a new world order being formed. And this is a totalitarian government, similar to a book we all read in high school called 1984, where Big Brother takes control changes and rewrites history so that the next generation can be indoctrinated into the ideals the ideology of the totalitarian system and i was laughed at oh you're crazy that's not happening ah, ha 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 and i said no 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 look the kyoto treaty in 1992 this this marked the beginning of it and they came about and they and they started putting information about how they need to bring about a sustainable A sustainable future and 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 they started promoting something known as agenda 21 and and they implemented something within the united nations known as codex alimentarius and people are like you're crazy you don't know what you're talking about like no you can go read about this it's real it's legitimate and i just wish people were as awake then as they are now because if we could have stopped codex alimentarius and you're probably like what is codex alimentarius Codex Alimentarius was the redefining of the entire global food system. How we perceived food and diet and what was allowed or not allowed in the sense of farming of seeds, how they were treated, pesticides, what were the various different amounts of pesticides and types of pesticides that could be utilized within our food system, how much genetic alteration could occur within a phenotype of a a plant or a crop, How cattle, pigs, chickens were treated in the sense for their meat. It's a complete redefinition of our food supply. And that happened over a 20-year period that nobody even knew about. Then you say, Agenda 21, well, we're past 2021. Yeah, absolutely, and now they have Agenda 2030. And they didn't redefine it. They didn't go out there and say, well, you know, Agenda 21 is not going to work, so let's put Agenda 2030 on there. No, they accomplished the goals of Agenda 21. The goals of agenda 21 were to set up a private global government that through infiltration through coercion through influence could infiltrate the governments of the world and therefore direct policy based upon that infiltration that they could go out there and have ownership of the top corporations and financial institutions in the world, to where they could influence at that senior executive level, at the shareholder level, the policies and regulations of those corporations where they begin to implement a very, very left-wing radical ideology. And guess what people, it could have easily have been a right-wing ideology. It could have easily have been fascist or national socialist, but instead what we get is communism. And they started putting out new terms like PPP, public-private partnership, which is nothing more than communism. Where governments work directly with businesses and actually hold a board member seat. The government holds a board member seat within corporations to make sure that their voice is heard and protect the people, of course, right? We see the rollout of things like DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion well, what is that all about? If you work in a business that is relatively big or medium-sized business, you most likely have a DEI coordinator, someone who is brought in to manage all the diversity, equity, and inclusion, so much so that they're going out there and they're putting, they're putting requests for job applications out there based upon not a person's skill set or education, but instead based upon that person's race. Well, where did DEI come from? Well, DEI stems from a much greater vision by these globalists called ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance. Three different platforms of which they roll out their new ideological platform. Environmental, well, what is, what is the environmental aspect? Of it? Well, how about this, climate change. Climate change, think about it for a minute. Everything that's happened within climate change in the last two decades has been under this guise of the ESG principality. The funding of universities and private organization with government money to fund research into how the climate is actually changing. Now let's think about this for a minute. If you're a university and let's say that you have a billion dollar grant over 10 years to produce data pertaining to the change of the environment. Are you going to come out that first year and say, "Hey, we don't see any change. There's there's nothing going on here." No, you're going to you're going to milk that contract. Not only are you going to milk it for 10 years, you're going to try to get it renewed for another 10 years because that's a billion dollars. But Josh, the, the the science is set. We we can watch this happening in real time. Oh, really? You you mean the difference between Atmospheric carbon dioxide levels and surface level carbon dioxide levels, how we only monitor surface level carbon dioxide levels. And there is a well over a thousand various sensors placed and positioned around the world, the majority of them being in highly concentrated and populated areas of which when they aggregate the data from those various different sensors, they eliminate the sensors that are in unpopulated areas that are in natural habitats and they concentrate all of those large populous areas into the massive average of that aggregate. Which means that the information being produced scientifically is going to be biased towards large populous areas. Which guess what? There's going to be more surface level carbon dioxide. But the science has proven and they won't admit this, that surface level carbon dioxide has very 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 little impact on global warming that 98% of all warming through the atmosphere on our planet comes from various greenhouse gases, less than 1% of that being carbon dioxide, but the 98% that they're talking about from carbon dioxide comes from atmospheric carbon dioxide. The other major greenhouse gas, quote-unquote, if you want to call it, in the atmosphere that produces the majority of the warming on this planet is water. Water! And by the way, Carbon dioxide is food for plants. So when you have increased amount of carbon dioxide, you have an increased amount of green vegetation across this planet, which in in fact produces more oxygen, which allows life to thrive on this planet. You get bigger yields within your crops, within within your forest, trees grow back faster because there's more opportunity, more energy for them to grow. You know when I learned these facts this is this is all I needed to know. When I heard that Plymouth Rock which uh, you know obviously the Nina the Pinta the Santa Maria they they came over in 1492 Columbus sailed the Ocean Blue right Plymouth Rock that's where they landed. The sea level has never risen. It's actually lower than it was. The Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island. It's lower than it was back then. But the, the ice caps are melting Josh it's pouring into the to the ocean. Well, it's not having a great effect because as that occurs, as let's just say that it is, the ocean waters are warming. And so the ice caps are melting and putting ice into the ocean. Is there a compensatory mechanism that occurs on this planet when those types of cycles happens? There is. Is the water begins to evaporate in the ocean, go up in the atmosphere and it produces more storms. Those storms drop that water Onto the surface, onto the land. See, the Earth knows what it's doing. It's been around for billions of years. It knows exactly what it's doing. And if there is a species of animal on the planet that are producing harm to it, and the other homeostasis that is occurring, it will eliminate that species. And we haven't seen that yet. The reason is, is because global climate change is an absolute hoax. And this is what stems from ESG, environmental part of ESG. And it's a hoax. Why? Because they want to implement a governmental system. A global governmental system of taxation. To where they now charge every single human being for their global carbon footprint. How do they charge that? With a tax. They calculate it, an aggregate amount. Oh, per year you breathe this much. That's how much this, this carbon dioxide is. Here's your new tax. Oh, you drive a gas fueled vehicle? Here's your new tax. Oh, you live in a home that's using an HVAC system that has natural gas coming into it and electricity? Oh, here's your global carbon tax. We'll be right back with more Dark Delight Show after this.
1: Dark Delight on the WYSL stations.
2: All right, back to the Dark to light Show. Let's get into social. ESG, environmental, social, and governance. So the governance aspect of this is actually pretty easy. I'm not going to lie to you. It's pretty easy to understand. I already discussed it. PPP, public-private partnerships, where basically you have a communist, cameo-fascist, totalitarian oligarchical controlled organization that rules and dominates over your life in the sense of laws and policies that derive from governments pretty simple to understand right there and how they do this is they infiltrate the financial institutions which basically pay big money to all the businesses down below because they need liquidity in order to keep on producing uh, their products and their services they need to get raw materials they need to ship these things across the world and what they do is they provide them funding to do this now in order to get that funding well guess what you, you gotta obey their rules and their policies to get that money. And see, this is really ties into the social aspect. Because within the social aspect, obviously we had diversity, equity, inclusion that we were talking about. But within the social aspect, we also have what? The changing of history, critical race theory, the idea that the white man is inherently bad, we have this perspective right now. I, I don't know if people saw this, that on Netflix, there's a new documentary coming or a new uh, a show series coming out on Cleopatra. And she's played by a black actress. Now, people are like, well, she could not be black. She, no, we know who her parents were. We, we literally know who her mother and father were. We, we, the, the Greeks were one of the most well-documented people in history. There, there's, there's busts of Cleopatra, of her parents. They're all white. Even the head of Egyptian antiquities, who is a man I don't agree with all the time, has came out and said, this is atrocious, portraying her as a black woman when we all know she was white. Well, why would they do that? That's like having Will Smith play Adolf Hitler. They're doing it because they're rewriting history. They're changing your perspective of history. And that's what Big Brother does. And see, this falls under the social aspect because next to social in ESG, you should see social manipulation, social warfare, social engineering. And if you're wondering what social engineering is, it's actually a tactic utilized by hackers to determine information on a potential target and then to exploit that information. And yes, there's social engineering society. How have they been doing it the last eh, 15 years to two decades? Well, they do it through social media. They do it through the internet. They do it through the collection of your data. Did you just think that Facebook was selling your data to to some far off unknown company that is going to basically promote a Coca-Cola to you? No, they're selling it to these big data firms which aggregate that data and information into various different psychological profiles. They analyze your habits, they analyze your behavior, your likes, your wants, your desires. They take all this aggregated data from Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They take it from your search history because you're giving all of that up. They take it from the movements of your phone in your pocket, in your hand, to your ear. The words that you say, the words that you type. They take all that data and they create a profile on you and in that profile they say this is what we believe joshua to be this is what we believe that joshua will react to this is what we think joshua will do if we present this information before him targeted on social media now isn't that interesting because People are claiming that these mass shootings that have been happening are just too coincidental. They don't make much sense because, well, they all seep- seem to happen during times when gun legislation is on the ticket within a certain state or within the federal government. And people wonder, how do they manipulate these people? You know, if, if that's the truth, that these people are like, you know, uh, MK ultrad how are they manipulating them? Well, I'm going to tell you. The Buffalo shooter and the uvalde texas shooter actually had a common a commonality between them see they were both active within a app called discord which is a voice messaging and data sharing app which is typically private and secure on their servers both of those gentlemen happened to be a member of the same discord group the Founder of that Discord group posted on his Twitter 15 days before the Uvalde shooting. 15 days and counting. Now that's not a coincidence, but what is even more interesting is that the founder of the Discord chat group happens to be a former FBI agent. That's right. This is a former FBI agent who lives in Texas who was running this Discord chat room who had two mass shooters within this Discord chat room. And, I mean, the person, the layman, who has a brain on their head and can think rationally and logically would be, was this man grooming these kids to be radicals, to be shooters? Because we've heard this before over and over and over again that the FBI going out there and actually orchestrating these events. Like, let's say, the kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. 20 people involved in it. Only three were tried and prosecuted. Those three people were completely set up by the other 17. Proud Boys and Oath Keepers. What did we find out? That the majority of their members on January 6th, those days, were undercover FBI agents and informants. World Trade Center number uh, attack number one in New York City. The guy who drove the bomb under the World Trade Center was hired by the FBI to take part in a terrorist exercise drill. Well documented. Oklahoma City bombing, Timothy McVeigh. He, I didn't do it. I was hired to come here and do this. I was hired by the government to do this. In Florida, the same time as the Uvalde shooter, a a couple, a parents, father, mother, and father came out, and they started screaming the whistle. On how their mentally ill son, who is this schizophrenic, right wing tendencies was in contact with the FBI, and the FBI, through text message, were trying to get this kid to go out there and commit a mass shooting. The parents released all the text messages over to the FBI. They they released all the evidence over to the FBI and the local authorities, and nothing ever happened. Their son was being groomed by the government. And you say, well, how can this happen? Exactly how it's happening, social engineering. Is there social engineering in a society? This is why they're changing history. This is why they're changing words and definitions. This is why. They're changing the definition of woman and man. To be inclusive to those who feel like I am a man today or feel like I'm a woman today. The whole trans agenda is orchestrated, manipulated, and disseminated by these same actors I've been talking about this whole entire show. People who are trying to transform culture. Why? Because culture determines politics. Oh, yes, it does, absolutely. The culture of the people determine the politics, how politicians are, how they act, Who they become? The policies and laws that they enact? Think about it. If we look at the political spectrum, left and right, left versus right, from 1865 to present day, how far have we gone away from actual conservatism to actual Jeffersonian Republican? Massively. Small, limited government. Balanced budgets. No central authority for banking and money printing. Congressional authority stays congressional authority with no third party interference or allocation of power. Instead, the right today, if you are a Republican today, guess what? You would fall within the Democrat party back in the late 19th century, early 20th century. You would absolutely 100% be a Democrat with your political beliefs. That's how far left we have gone. And that happens because of culture because of a changing dynamic within the social structure. And how did that happen? Well, we know how it happened. Henry Ford put millions upon millions of dollars in there to to change the education system in the United States of America, to put kids in classrooms for eight hours a day and be indoctrinated to learn how to sit still and take direction and instruction. All right, we'll be right back with more Dr. Light Show after right this.
1: Dark to Light on the WYSL stations.
2: All right, back to the Dark to Light show. And so we're talking about, man, we're just talking about it all, aren't we? We're talking about ESG, DEI. We're talking about the Agenda 2030, the New World Order, the globalist attack upon American sovereignty. And right now we were talking about social engineering This last, uh, this last half here. And and you got to ask yourself, why why would they want to control society to that large degree, society and culture to that large degree? Well, I I lay this out, and it's something that I came about with in uh, November 2020. Actually, my brother Jason and I came about with this idea called the Firestorm Event, where they produce levels of social and cultural destabilization, political destabilization, infiltration within academia and institutions. And the reason we saw that is because this is how a color revolution actually organizes. Color revolution is how you take down an entire country by infiltration from within. You allow the people to do it at that level. And so this is what's happening here in the United States right now is they're taking over society and culture. But not only to produce this color revolution, which will basically transform the political landscape and eventually get rid of the Constitution, but also because it puts people into a state of complete fear. That's what this is all about. This is about control of human beings, their actions, their influences, where they spend their money, how they spend their money, how they spend their vote, where they spend their vote, and to keep them domicile, so they don't rise up against the power and the authority, so they don't speak up, to make them happy. And this comes about with government handouts and, and giving them what they need. And oh my goodness, capitalism is so bad. Look at the world right now. The whole world is crumbling and I, I just got laid off from my job and I can't make enough to live and blah, 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 blah. You know, a wise man once told me is that you get paid for the value you bring to the marketplace. And actually, Jim Rohn, if you guys know who Jim Rohn is, is the one that said this. He says, if you work at McDonald's and they, they pay you $5 an hour, to take out the trash. They'll pay you $5 an hour for that. But if you take out the trash and whistle while you do it, they'll pay you 5 dollars quarter Because you're increasing the morale. You're bringing more value. And so you go out there in life, and you gain, you acquire a certain skill set, whether it's how to speak and communicate, develop a relationships, whether it's actual education in the sense of engineering or training or skilled labor or whatever it is. And then you go out there and you get a job. You be, you get a career. You start a business, and you get paid for the value you bring to the marketplace. Now. It's not hard to understand that if you don't make very much money, then that means that a lot of people hold those same skills and would easily be able to fill that position if needed. That's why people don't make a lot of money is because you can fill that position with just about anybody because it doesn't take a lot of skills to do that position. But the harder and more refined that position is, the more advanced knowledge and experience you need for that position, the more you're going to get paid. And see, it's like the younger generation just doesn't understand this. Well, I went to school for four years. I got $200,000 in student loans. I should be paid $2 million a year. There is a uh, a, a Japanese modern Japanese proverb that's out there talking about this. And the idea is that there's 10 people who showed up for the same job they all have the same skill set experience necessary to complete the job the owners of the company have given each of them a bag they're all standing there with their bags and they said hey whoever wants this job is going to have to earn it your salary will be dependent upon how many bricks You can fit inside that bag. And so you get all the people out there start filling their bag up with bricks. You get some people that overfill their bags. You get some people that fill it up three quarters to fold, some that halfway, some a quarter of the way. One lady, she only puts one brick in her bag. Another gentleman, he fills it up halfway, but he's a rather robust gentleman. He can, you know, he can pick up the bag because they think that oh, we're gonna have to pick up this bag after this. Then, after everybody has their bags filled, the business owner says, "Okay, now, many of you have filled up your bags with bricks, which is the desired salary that you wish to have. But now you must work for it. You must carry that bag from here, the bottom floor, to the top of this building, to the top floor, to the roof, which was a skyscraper most of the men and women they quit right there when their bags were overflowing with bricks the ones that were full they quit too the one woman with only one brick began her journey and started moving and in the midst she came across a guy who had about his bag half the three quarters of the way full of bricks and she passes him now you gotta remember the person who wins is the one who has the most bricks half the roof who makes it all the way up. And she steams up there and believes that she's won. A few other people come up with only a few bricks in their bags. But then, two hours later, comes this gentleman lugging a bag full of bricks. He made it. After all the strife, after all the anxiety, after all, all the hard work that he put in. He got the job. Why? Because he was able to put in the work. He was able to understand the experiment and carry the weight of the burden of his salary that he was going forth. Because with a higher salary, with a higher pay comes more responsibility, comes more work. And you must have a higher loyalty and worth ethic when that comes about. And so when we start looking at salaries, well, think about this. Joe Biden wants to cancel student loans. Why does he want to do that? Well, it's pretty simple when you understand it. You just worked your butts off to get an education and now you have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. That isn't right. We're going to pay that off for you so you don't learn what responsibility is in the sense of taking out a loan and then having the work to pay it back. Lots of these kids grew up in households that were on government subsidies, where their parents were home or their parent was home most of the time because they were receiving a check from the government. And there's nothing wrong with that with the people who actually need that help. But it should never be acquainted to a permanent solution. And then you have this idea of a pay gap. Oh, there's a pay gap between men and women. Oh, men make a dollar more than women on average. Yeah, depending upon the field... Male nurses make $10 less per hour on average than female nurses. Male engineers make $5 more an hour than female engineers, why? Because 85% of all engineers are male. Why is that with that with nurses? Because 85% of all nurses are female. So there's a distribution ratio that also goes into this. And when you average it all out, you find that they actually make relatively the same amount of money between males and females and that their gender actually has nothing to do with it. But what we have is this implementation within the social construct of these various ideologies, these beliefs that have been ingrained within our youth, that have been ingrained within the people who are receptive in society to outward manipulation. And this is how Democrats win elections. This is how they're able to sustain their power base. This is why when a convicted felon, heroin addict, goes into a convenience store with a counterfeit $20 bill, Who is having a fentanyl overdose. In the midst of a fentanyl overdose. And dies in police custody with only one police officer being white, the other being Asian, and the other being Hispanic. That a massive riot ensues across the country. Because of racism. Racism. A white cop killed a black man. Statues are erected of this criminal. And by the way, for those who don't know, is that multiple philanthropies and institutions associated with George Soros and other massive Democrats funded the busloads of people into these cities and these states to go out there and wreak havoc. But not only that, it's the whole George Floyd thing, guys. They were covering up a lot more than you can imagine. Derek Chauvin, he wouldn't admit this because he knew if he did, his family would be killed and he would be killed. But they, uh, him and George Floyd both worked together at a bar down the street called, um, that was owned by a woman by the name of Maria Santa Maria. She was also the owner of a radio station out there known as La Raza Radio. La Raza means the race. It's a Mexican nationalist movement very similar to right-wing nationalism of Nazis. Actually, the Texas shooter that was just shot and killed who killed five people. He was one of these Mexican nationalists, the the, the, the National Socialists. And so it was interesting that they worked for her, George Floyd and Derek Chauvin. Both worked for her. Derek Chauvin is the one that the cops waited for to show up. George Floyd ends up dying. And then the radio station owned by Maria Santa Maria burns down. It was the first building that burned down. That's not odd, is it? <laughs> we'll be right back with more Dark Delight Show after this.
1: Dark to Light on the WYSL stations.
2: All right. Back to the Dark to Light show. And yeah, we're talking about the New World Order. We're talking about ESG, DEI, all this fun stuff. And we're talking about the social aspect in the sense of social engineering, how you social engineer a society. And I was get touching on the George Floyd controversy because that was absolutely 100% a socially engineered operation done by a clandestine intelligent operation of the New World Order. How do I know this? Because I've researched this topic. I've had friends who've researched this topic intimately. And the details, when you begin to find them out. Derek Chauvin and George Floyd both worked for a local bar that was owned by a woman by the name of Maria Santa Maria, who was associated with a Mexican socialist nationalist organization known as La Raza. She owned La Raza Radio, which happened to be the first building that burned down that night. Now also... There's this other part, and this comes from some insiders that we know and uh, within the government who actually knew of this, is that the bar that they worked at was known as a hub for money laundering and drug trafficking, of which George Floyd and Derek Chauvin both would have known about. And the Minneapolis Police Department was in on the take. That's why Derek Chauvin worked there. But here's the kicker is that they were counterfeiting money at this organization. They're taking that counterfeit money. They were buying guns and drugs with it, and they were running it, the guns down to the Mexican border, trading to the cartel for drugs and bringing it back up. They were also funding a radical Muslim terrorist in the Minnesota area with guns, ammunition, munitions, and all types of things and and money. But they were counterfeiting money. Now, let's think about what would happen. George Floyd goes and uses a counterfeit $20 bill a month after being let go from his job at the bar. The counterfeit $20 bill, police were called. Police have to immediately call the Secret Service at that point in time. And the Secret Service have to get involved since it's a counterfeit $20 bill. They would have looked into his history. They would have found out that he worked for this specific bar. And they would have been investigating it. Including the radio station and Maria Santa Maria. He couldn't allow that to happen. George Floyd was held there on the scene until Derek Chauvin came about, who just happened to be his partner in work. So the question you have to ask is, was George Floyd killed? So he wasn't, wouldn't talk, and to cover up the fact of an illegal criminal organization that was operating out of that bar, out of that radio station, along with the Minneapolis Police Department during that point in time, and to avoid... Secret Service from actually getting involved because the person was now dead. You decide for yourself. But think about this, is they social engineered that whole event to undermine the people from the truth. If they can do that, just imagine what else they can do and what they've actually been doing. Because people, it's going to get a lot worse These attacks are not going to stop. They're coming after Donald Trump. If they can come after Donald Trump, if they can get him into a court room, if they can indict him on federal charges where none actually exist, what can they do to you? This is how dangerous the situation is right now. That we have a radical political organization that is promoting a very, very, Extremist ideology that is inside the minds of your children, of your teenagers, of your young adults. They're utilizing psychological warfare against the American people. The CIA in the last two elections have interfered directly with the elections, knowingly, publicly. They're not even hiding it. Robert F. Kennedy just came out and says, I have the evidence that shows that my uncle, John F. Kennedy, was killed by the CIA, along with probably his father. He said my my uncle was going to dismantle the CIA. And they killed him for that. Well, absolutely, Andrew Dulles. We knew Andrew Dulles was going to do that. And here's the thing, is there was massive outrage after the JFK assassination. They didn't know what to do. So what they did is they, uh, they had the Gulf of Tonkin incident, where a U.S. naval ship in the Gulf of Tonkin was, uh, was bombed. And they blamed it on the Viet Cong. And they sent Marines in immediately. But then you find out is that the Gulf of Tonkin actually never really happened. They just, oops, well, we got some wrong information that never, it was just a small little alpha fire on board the ship, and it wasn't actually a bomb. Our bad, my, my mistake, but those Marines are already there, so we'll leave them there and we'll send more. They used that distraction of a war to cover up the fact that they killed the President of the United States of America and formulated a coup on this country politically. That was one of the first attacks. We've talked about the other attacks that they failed on, the business plot, 1933, the former Marine Corps general, general, two-time Medal of Honor recipient, two-time Marine Corps Brevet Medal recipient, Smetley Butler, where he's approached by bankers in New York City, including the chairman of Union... Uh, Union Banking Corporation, which was owned by Abel Harriman, who was the governor of New York, and the chairman was Prescott Bush, the granddaddy of George Walker Bush and the father of George Herbert Walker Bush, they went to Smedley Butler and said, if we give you an army of 500,000 soldiers, will you go into Washington, D.C. and overthrow FDR and allow us to implement our fascist state? And he immediately went to FDR and said, hey, they're trying to overthrow your power. And FDR was like, eh, okay. As in FDR knew it was going to happen and was waiting for it to happen. Because guys are all in on it. And see, that's the thing. Is the more freedom you have, the more discipline you have to have over that freedom the more eyes that have to vigilantly watch that freedom. So it is not viciously stripped and pulled away from you when you're not looking? And that's what's happening in America right now is that freedom is viciously through the eyes of fear being pulled and stripped away from every single American citizen. And the majority of them are clueless to the fact because they are so wrapped up within the social and cultural drama of wondering if they're a man or a woman. Of going out there and asking for reparations from something that happened 200 years ago that the ancestors of those people can't even be genetically verified. Going out there and fighting for social justice. We need more Equity, equity is a socialist word, will cut the knees off of every adult so they stand at the same height of the children to not look over a fence. That's what equity, that's what equity is. And if you're not mad by listening to me here right now, if you're not mad with the state of our country, the state of our world, you're probably not paying attention. Because, guys, we are at the last straw. This is a war. This is a battle not only for the Savior of our country, of our Constitution, of our rights, our freedoms, and our liberties, but also our hearts and our souls, our minds. This is a spiritual battle. Get ready, guys. It's begun. All right. Much love respect. God bless you guys. Take care. Have a great day, and I will see you guys tomorrow.